Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We spent a lot of time talking about what's happening at the southern border. We see it with our own eyes as caravans of what appear to be young men come into our country through the southern border. But what's happening once they get here? We know that border security has been gutted, but we don't talk a lot about the gutting and the abolishment of ICE, about the inability for these people to be able to expel illegal immigrants once they reach the interior. We're going to talk to a guy named John Fabricatori, who spent 23 years at ICE about that problem and why that doesn't get discussed more. We're also going to get his take about how NGOs are facilitating this illegal immigration crisis that we're saying. All of that and more. Stay with us. Well, John, you've got a lot of experience with ICE, so I'm looking forward to getting your insight on the craziness that we've been seeing under this administration. So appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So you were priced for 23 years, I believe. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen while working there and then since? You know, the biggest change, especially within the last few years under the Biden administration, is just the minute the Biden administration came in, there was this tearing down of interior uh, enforcement, uh, you know, with with the priorities that Secretary Mayorkas set forth for uh, the agency it really limited the amount of arrests that the agents were able to make on the street. To just give a rough example, in 2018, uh, ICE Interior, ERO, made 158,581 ICE arrests. In 2022, they made 49,396 arrests. That's a 70% decrease. And I mean, right there, that, that just shows you, you know, that, that something is going on. You know, what what is this issue? What are they limiting that they're disallowing ICE to be able to go out on the street and make these arrests. And that's through, you know, some policy orders and executive orders and things that the Biden administration have pushed out, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, you know, since day one, when the Biden administration came in, they just pushed out new policy. I mean, they wanted to put a 100-day moratorium on deportations the minute the Biden administration, uh, you know, came into office. And, uh, you know, thankfully, a federal judge put a stop to that. But 
from day one, they've wanted to limit uh, immigration enforcement. Well, because I mean, we obviously put a lot of focus on what's happening at the southern border, I think, because, you know, it's visual, right? You know, we're, we're seeing these caravans come over. We, we're seeing these military age men come over. I mean, we see it with our own eyes, but there's not as much of a discussion about, you know, the gutting of ICE and the abolishing of ICE once these people get into the country. Exactly. And and that's that's the big issue. I mean, if you look at the non-detained docket, which is, you know, a docket that the ICE Euro officers uh, work on, and it's, it's basically the uh, illegal aliens that have come into the country, they've been put into custody, but then they've been released to the street. So the ICE officers actually follow them on these dockets. There's about 5.7 million people on that docket right now. And over 400,000 convicted criminal aliens are criminally uh, are currently on that docket. So so to, to just put that in, into perspective, there are almost half a million criminal aliens that they know of on this non-detained docket. But yet there are policies being put in place and you know initiatives and directives that are prohibiting ICE's ability to remove those people who we know are criminals. <laughs> Right. Even to go out and just make those arrests to get those half a million off of the street, because, you know, they're 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 convicted criminal aliens. They should be, uh, you know, put into removal proceedings. They they should have a, a warrant of arrest for an ICE officer to go out and make that arrest and bring them into custody and actually remove them from the United States. But, you know, part of the big problem is it, it's, it's detention beds. So this administration has not really pushed to increase detention beds. And, uh, you know, I think right now they're sitting at about 32,000 beds nationwide uh, under President Trump. That was as high as 52,000 beds. And I know the Trump administration was trying to make that even higher. Uh, without the detention beds, there's really not a lot of work that the ICE officers can do. There's no room to put somebody once you arrest them. Most local jurisdictions aren't working with ICE anymore, especially the sanctuary cities. So they don't allow ICE to use their beds like they did in, in, in the past. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I think that this administration is doing that on purpose. They know if they can keep the bed numbers down, ICE can't go out and make those arrests. Yeah, so, it, so it's almost forcing the release of illegal immigrants into the interior. And then, I mean, how many of those people are seen again? I mean, how many people just, you know, slip into the night and, you know, go on and, and do God knows what? A lot. So, you know, during my career, I, I supervised uh, the Fugitive Operations Unit. And, uh, you know, it was our job to go out onto the street and actually hunt those people down, find them, the ones that were committing crimes uh, that had not shown up for, for their immigration hearing or they did. And a judge found them removable. Uh, so we would actually go out and try to find those people. And that's not happening today. I mean, they've really limited the numbers on the fugitive operations teams. They're not allowing them to go out like they used to. Uh, so it's just this huge limitation on, on what ICE ERO is allowed to do to go out to actually make our community safer. You know, you help lead multi-agency joint task forces, enforcing immigration law, looking at things like fugitives, arresting sex offenders, you know, people who are bringing fentanyl, you know, fentanyl traffickers. You know, talk about some of the people you've experienced and you you saw you know, during your 23 years of ICE and, and why this is important that we be able to expel these people from the country. Yeah, you know, one of, it, it's unique with ICE. So, I, you know, I was on a lot of task forces, worked with a lot of different agencies. What ICE brings to the table when they go in and they work with another agency is we have this ability to go in and just use immigration law to kind of talk to people, to make arrests, to kind of find intelligence. 
And, and that, that's a big thing to have when you're going out on the street and you're, you're trying to find drug traffickers. You're, you're dealing with human smuggling. You're dealing with, with sex trafficking. Having ICE on that task force is, 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 a, is a huge benefit. Um, so when we were going out and we were dealing with these issues, like I was assigned to the U.S. Marshals Task Force, the Violent Offender Task Force. And uh, we would go out with the U.S. Marshals and we would look for these alien fugitive foreign born uh, people who were in the country illegally, who had committed crimes, uh, you know, had warrants against murder warrants and, and, and things like that. And we'd the U.S. Marshals would use our, our assets. We would use the U.S. Marshals assets and we would go out and we would we would find these people and take them out of the community. And uh, again, you know, with with the way things are now under this administration, that's very difficult for ICRO to do. They're even down with with their hiring within ICRO. So there's multiple positions that are not filled. So that's another ICE agent that is just not on the street with these task forces trying to find these people uh, that can do harm to the United States. You you think at a base level, I mean, you know, I am for a robust border and border security and probably more of a robust policy where we're seeing deportations and where, you know, I I just I don't think that people have a right to enter our country. And I I think that people are, you know, obviously lying, uh, seeking asylum when they don't actually have credible fear. They're coming here for economic reasons or you know, because they're being exploited by the cartels or whatever the reason is. Um, but you would think at the base level, we could all agree that I should be allowed to expel criminals from the country. But, you know, here we are. I mean, if you even looking at the numbers for, for that. So, you know, when I retired last year, I was the field office director for all of Colorado and, and, and Wyoming. And we had a lot of removal numbers, uh, you know, just out of Colorado alone, but nationwide. So so to give you an idea, during COVID in 2020, ICE ERO removed 185,884 people from the United States, deported them. In 2022, under Joe Biden, they only removed 72,000. That's incredible. Going from 185,000 during the end of COVID, that's a low number. I think that was a 20% decrease from 2019. Now we're down to the last numbers that we have from 2022. They only removed 72,000. And ICRO has not released their 2023 numbers yet. We're still waiting for those numbers. I believe it's going to be even lower than it was last year. Well, you know, too, and we're we're seeing um, an increased number of people on the terror watch list try to enter in the United country. We're seeing an increase exponentially. I think in two years, there were something like 73,000 special interest aliens. These are people that are coming from countries that harbor terrorists. These are people from you know, countries that are, you know, pose a potential national security risk. We've seen even since October, there's been thousands of people from China, a couple thousand from Russia, Turkey, you know, enemy nations that we're allowing into this country. You know, what kind of national security risk does that all pose to the United States? It's an incredible risk. You know, since I've retired, I've been down to the border seven times. A few weeks ago, I went down to Lukeville, which which, you know, is is one of the epicenters of, of you know, uh, illegal entry right now. And uh, we my partner and I went into the Oregon Pipe National Monument. And within 30 minutes, we encountered over 200 illegal aliens from Africa. And as we were talking to them, we were finding out that they were from Sudan, Somalia, Syria, Mali, Nigeria, Iraq. This is incredible. You know, in, in, in my career, I would have never thought going down to the border and seeing that many from countries other than Mexico and, and Central America and South America. 
and just being and just going there and seeing these people cut through the fence well the cartel is actually cutting through the fence and then sending them through but then seeing these people come through the fence line and we're not doing anything there was no border patrol when we went in there so we started moving you know my, my partner also retired from ice uh, we, we started a consulting firm together so we've been going down to the border so our our, our kind of you know our, our backgrounds kicked in and we just started pushing people against the fence line and uh Border Patrol shows up and it's like it's two Border Patrol agents. And before we knew it, there were almost 400 uh, illegal aliens there in, inside the, the monument. And uh, it, that's incredible. I mean, Border Patrol is so overwhelmed at, at the border that it's it, it's allowing this 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 chaos to happen. It's a chaos loop every day over and over. The Border Patrol is just dealing with huge amounts of numbers of people and and they they need additional support they just can't do this they're they're undermined uh it's it's, it's just an incredible situation when you actually go and see it with your own two eyes and then who what kind of people are you, you talked about some of the different countries but are they what ages you know is it families you know kind of what did you see what have you seen when you've been at the southern border it's mostly young men so what initially happens is when the cartel cuts a hole through the fence line they send women and children through first and it's a small amount of women and children but what they're hoping is that the border patrol is going to respond to that because remember there's cameras and sensors all along the fence line so the border patrol can kind of see what's what's coming through and when they send the women and children in first, the Border Patrol is going to respond to that. They're going to respond to trying to save women and children from being shoved into the middle of the desert. Because this is this is five, six miles uh, even away from the port. It's, it's, it's pretty far into the desert. So the Border Patrol responds out there to go pick up the women and children. And then the cartel just starts sending all these young men through the fence line. So we were seeing a lot of young men and, and you know, in talking to them, most of them were not talking about uh, how they were in danger in their country. They were talking economic opportunity. They wanted to go to New York because they wanted to make money. They, so many of these people that are coming across have this, this illusion in their head that they're going to come into the United States and they're going to be provided a home. They're going to be, be provided a job. And then they're going to be a millionaire within a year. And as we all know, you know, it takes a lifetime of work to even get close to that. But but this is this is what they're being fed. This is what they're being told. And this is why they're coming over. So who's feeding them that? Is it the cartels or, or where are they getting this information about, you know, one, to come to the United States and then two, that there's going to be all these opportunities? Like, where, where is this information coming from? Do you know? So initially, it's it's within their own countries there are criminal organizations over in Africa that are setting up these uh, human smuggling pipelines. And they're actually working with the cartel. Uh, you know, everyone's making money off of this. You know, the, the criminal organizations over in Africa, the cartel. And then the NGOs, the NGOs and non-governmental organizations are helping to feed this narrative to these people. I mean, the NGOs are meeting them on the other side of the fence line in Mexico and telling these people exactly what to do once they get over. They've they've been finding, uh, you know, addresses in people's pockets that these people don't even know what this address goes to. They've just been told to go to this address. And it's the address of an NGO, of an organization that's making millions of dollars off of what's happening right now at the Southwest border. So, you know, you see these organizations like Catholic Charities, Lutheran Services, you see, I mean, there's, there, there, there's tons. We can go off the, you know, off a list and go through how many are receiving hundreds of millions of dollars from the United States government right now to provide services 
for these illegal aliens that are coming into the country. So it is a profit and uh, they are facilitating making that profit by telling these people, hey, look, we're going to take care of you. You'll get food. You'll get a place to sleep. We'll help you find a job. It's it's really a racket when you look into it. Quick break. More on illegal immigration. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And so they're doing, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, they're financially incentivized to help feed this illegal immigration crisis that we're seeing, this mass flow of illegal immigration. So, I mean, these organizations are, are making money from the federal government, us taxpayers, to help encourage this illegal immigration that, you know, the Biden administration wants because they've made that known since day one. Exactly. The, the Biden administration policies are magnetic to illegal immigration. And it's just it's just drawing power. It's drawing these people in. And then the NGOs, like, like you just said, they're they're making huge profits off of this. They don't want this to stop. They want more people to come in. And, and, and it's a revolving door. 
So these people come in, they they put them up in hotels, they get the money that the government says that they're going to pay to these contractors for for housing them. But then they kick the young man out of out of the hotels and then they they bring in the next amount of people and they get paid for those people. So, you know, as long as they have this revolving door and they can keep putting, you know, bodies in beds, bodies in beds, they're going to make a lot of money. And uh, that's exactly what they're doing. They're making money hand over fist. And, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's really incredible when, when you look at it, that this country is being sold out and uh, it, it's just for profit for some people to make some money. And, you know, we're seeing more people wind up on the street. A lot of a lot of these migrants are winding up on the street. It's, it's going to cost us millions of dollars in, in, in taxpayer funds to, to take care of them. And this is not how immigration is supposed to work. You know, and then talk about, uh, you know, it's not just big business for the NGOs. It's obviously big business for the cartels as well. You know, so talk about sort of their financial motivations and all of this. Yeah, it's it's huge for the cartels. So the cartels really saw an ability to make profit off of human smuggling, especially right now within the last three years. You know, when the cartels are moving dope, when, when, when they're moving drugs across the line, it takes a little bit for them to get that profit back. So they move a, a quantity of drugs. They might move it up to Chicago or Denver. And but they, they've got to wait for those drugs to be sold to make their 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 whole profit. With a lot of this alien smuggling, they're making the money up front. And if they're not making it up front, they're tying it to these people and they're taking it out of the, the families of the people that are left behind. So the cartels right now are making billions, billions of dollars off of this human smuggling. And the United States government right now is just kind of turning a blind eye to it. They know the cartel is involved in this. I mean, you can you can go down to the border and you can watch the cartel use tools to cut through the fence. And it's not a it's not a two second job. I mean, it, it takes it takes a while for them to cut through that uh, that border fence. I mean, they, they need to use two different saws. Um, you know, it's it, it's not an easy cut. It takes a long time. It's loud. The Mexican government is not stopping it. The our government has turned a blind eye to it and they have Border Patrol agents processing people and not responding to the fence line getting cut. It, the, the whole situation right now, I mean, it's it's when, when you look at it, you just can't imagine that this is actually going on. The numbers that we're seeing, the numbers coming across the border, the number of people winding up in these sanctuary cities. It's it's incredible. And it's, it's incredible that nothing's being done about it. You know, is there anything else you think that we're missing from this conversation that needs to be discussed? The big thing is, is that this administration really is complicit with with what's happening when you you really have to look at what people say. So when you look at like Secretary Mayorkas and, and, and he's up there and he's always talking about these pathways to migration, we, we have to improve pathways to migration, pathways to migration. Their pathway to migration is an open border. Their pathway to migration is amnesty. And, and, and Secretary Mayorkas has said that out loud. They keep saying, and you even hear the, the, uh, um, the uh, uh, press secretary, uh, KJP, say it all the time, the immigration system is broken. It's not broken. It's just not being enforced. But they say it's broken because they want you to believe that it's so broke that the only way to fix it is through amnesty to give amnesty to all these people, start over with a new system. And, and that is not good for the United States. That should definitely not happen. We should put our foot down on that. And, uh, you know, we, we just have to, I mean, I, I believe Secretary Mayorka should should be impeached. And I, I don't know what's taking them so long. I mean, we have so much information to prove that he's that he's turned his back on, on immigration law. 
But, uh, you know, we really need to look at what they're saying and watch them say all the time. It's a Democrat talking point. The, the, the immigration system's broken. It's broken. It's broken. It's not broken. We just need to actually enforce the law. Yeah. So hopefully Secretary Mayorkas, you know, is impeached. I, I agree with you that, you know, I think he, he needs to be impeached there. And, you know, hopefully, you know, some sanity gets restored to the, the country and realizing that, you know, we're ceding our country to enemy nations without them having to fire a shot. So, John, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Um, thanks so much for bringing your insight. Have a great Christmas and a happy new year. So appreciate John Fabricatori for joining the show and just bringing his insight from his time at ICE. Appreciate you guys at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together. Until next time. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.